Welcome to the Prophecy Club. Our topic today is proof the Bible is true. Now, let me ask you a question. What if, what if you could prove beyond any reasonable doubt that the Bible is really true? I want you to just take for just a moment and think about that. Think about brothers, sisters, moms, dads, aunts, uncles, bosses, co-workers. What would it mean if some of them that absolutely do not believe the Bible is true, or some of them just really haven't taken the time to trouble even check it out, what would it mean if there was something that you could hold in your hand? I'm talking about small. I'm talking about something you could reasonably keep with you on a pretty regular basis. Something small to where if they would accept any kind of truth, they would accept this. Something that would, beyond reasonable doubt, prove to them that the Bible is true. Not just once, but many times. I've got the answer for you. You're going to like this. So the story is, in 1991, Leslie and I went on an archaeology tour with Ron Wyatt. And we saw many of these things I'm going to be talking about today. As a matter of fact, all the things that I've, I'm going to show you, we've actually seen them. We've actually been there. So this is not something that may or may not be true. We can verify what we're going to be offering you today is this book called Revealing God's Treasure Illustrated and a DVD that goes along explaining it. Now, you may be saying, well, how much is it? Well, let me ask you this. What's a soul worth? What would it be worth to you, a soul winner, if you could go to people and actually have physical evidence in your hand to be able to convince them, yeah, beyond with a, a reasonable doubt, that the Bible is really true? Here's the proof. So now we're going to start with uh, author with Ron Wyatt. This is the author of this book. He's put it together, and uh, he's got he's done an amazing job. And you can see that uh, he's got a picture here beside Ron Wyatt. And of course, he's uh, he's he's documented far better than Leslie and I all the things that Ron Wyatt found. So here's part of the things that are in the book. It talks about Noah's Ark, which is what we're going to be talking about today, Sodom and Gomorrah, the Red Sea crossing. Mount Sinai, and the Ark of the Covenant. So we'll start with, now, I want you to understand that this book is not just filled with pictures. It actually has an explanation. So what you're looking at, wait here, I'll just read it. An aerial photo taken from a high altitude in 1959 showed a boat-shaped formation right here. I'll take my mouse and show you. Okay, it's kind of like the sharp point down, okay? Uh, a boat-shaped formation caught the eye of an army captain in the name of, and it mentions the story. Now, you can read the story so you can inform yourself, but then as you run across mom, dad, or brother, sister doesn't believe, and Jesus doesn't believe in the Bible, it's, it's going to be self-explanatory to a certain degree. And then where it doesn't explain it, the DVD that we're also offering is going to be able to explain it, and it, it's going to teach you. You want to watch this, you want to look through it, so you can inform yourself, so you can explain it to them. Anyway, that's what started it. You're looking at the photograph in 1959 that spotted this boat-shaped object, and of course, that got Ron to go checking it out. Here's the story, which I'm going to skip, but I'm going to zoom in on this particular anchor stone here in just a moment, because there's a real important story on that. But it, the point is, is it, it has a lot of explanations to it. So this is a picture of the real Noah's Ark. If you look off in the center, that's actually the boat. And then this is what we believe is Noah's 
tombstone, his wife's tombstone. And he says, this is just for illustration purposes, but this is, I heard Ron talk about this too. And it says that, that he found this on a tombstone. Now, look carefully at this, because this is a picture of a boat, and that's up on top of a wave, as in for the ocean. Then there's what? I believe that's talking about a rainbow. And then you see eight people walking away from a boat. So how else would you read that when you're talking about a boat on a wave, a rainbow, and eight people, because they're just happy to be eight people that survived the flood, walking away from this boat. And they found this up near this area. So uh, the nation of Turkey has recognized that this is, in fact, Noah's Ark. And that's what this is as a sign in Turkey saying Noah's Ark is five miles away. Okay, uh, this is Noah's Ark. Off here to the left, you see Noah's Ark. And up here is a visitor center. So the point here is... You may be saying, well, how do we know that this is all really true? Well, the Turkish government put up a sign, as it says here, that says Noah's Ark five miles. And then here's Noah's Ark, and up here's a visitor center. We've actually been to this visitor center. Well, how do we know that that's really the visitor center? Because there's a sign that right there on the side of it, it says visitor center for Noah's Ark, plus the sign five miles down the road. Again, Leslie and I have been there. We've been in this room, 1991 spring. We were there. We can verify it. Here's another sign. Again, Turkey, the, the nation of Turkey knows it. It's just that some of the other nations aren't aware of that. Here's another picture of Noah's Ark. Now, if you look carefully in that yellow triangle, that's actually a rock. Ron believes that Noah's Ark actually came to rest on up here, on up the mountains, but through the years, the mudslides and the rains, it washed down, and it would have gone on down the side of the mountain and just crumpled up and just been lost. But God arranged for it to have this uh, giant rock, basically, just nail it to the side of the of the mountain right here because it slid down on there and it held the, the ark or the boat in place so it wouldn't be destroyed. So as you look at that, you can see here another picture of it in case you wonder, well, is that big enough to hold all the animals of the earth? Well, they aren't, weren't all grown, obviously. Many of them were uh, babies. But if you look here, you see that's a young man up there on the ark. Again, I've been there. I've walked all over it. I've got a piece of it. I probably should have brought it. Maybe I'll bring it to, uh, for you tomorrow. But anyway, I got a piece of it. Uh, here's another picture of the ark. And there's the front of the boat. And then you see, here's the near side, here's the far side, but you can see it's in the shape of a boat. Another picture from the, the lower side. Now, these are rib timbers of a modern boat, okay? If you look here, these are the rib timbers. These are the rib timbers of Noah's Ark. These are the rib timbers of a modern boat. So as you look at that, you can see those are rib, rib timbers. Here's some more, here's some more. And they're evenly spaced there. Unfortunately, you know, that these are really high-quality photos. These are very good. But when you're there, you can actually walk and you can see the discolorations. You can tell that it's made of wood versus uh, the dirt or whatever. It's amazing to actually be there. Here's other pictures of the rib timbers there on the side of it. See these? The rib timbers sticking up. This is an aerial photo looking down on the visitor center here. This is the visitor center. Here's Noah's Ark. Closer shot of it and closer shot of it. 
This is really interesting. Ron found ancient markers with birds, a boat, and eight people inside the boat up near this. In other words, it's like the people in ancient days were trying to tell us people in the latter days that this is Noah's Ark. And he's actually found several of various things like that. Here's another picture of the timbers, the rib timbers. When we were there, Ron White took us over to this hole. And he explained that he had taken a core drill and drilled into the side of the boat. And he said then he got like a, a branch and he kept kind of fishing things out of it. And he pulled some antlers and what he believes some cat hair and some human hair and some uh, an petrified animal dung out of that hole. And then he put some mud back up in there to just kind of clog it up in case someone come along and found the hole. They wouldn't think that there was anything important there and wouldn't perhaps get curiosity and people bust in to try to steal something or see what they could find or destroy and ruin this ancient artifact. But again, we've been there. We can verify this is true. Another picture of Noah's Ark. This is from the backside of the ark. You can look around here to the left and to the right, see up there. Another picture of it. This is looking down on it from a drone. Now you see the uh, port side. These are the rib timbers there. This is what they believe is a metal rod. Now, Genesis 4.22 says, Tubalcain was a skilled artificer in all forms of brass and iron. We've been told that ancient days people were stupid, but Adam named all of the animals of the earth, so he wasn't stupid. Truth be known, they were probably more intelligent back then than we are today. And they had modern metallurgy. They had some of the modern metals that we only recently came up with, like in the 1800s. I'll show you. Here's what they also think is a metal bracket. So this is a modern boat. Uh, very advanced for its time in terms of it was designed to survive a flood, which is kind of like a washing machine. Here's a certificate of analysis, I believe from uh, Galbraith Laboratories, and it's essentially saying that what he found underneath this earth here is not just a bunch of rocks, it's not, not an accidental rock formation, but it's actually pre-flood Wood. Oh, that's nothing. What's the difference between pre-flood wood and post-flood wood? Well, the answer is pre-flood wood had no growth rings. Why? Because before the flood, it didn't rain. It was a constant year-round, 12-month-a-year growing season. So there wouldn't be any rings in the wood. And that's what he found. I'm going to show you some here in just a second. There was no growth rings in any of this wood, meaning it was pre-flood wood. Then after the flood, then we got summer and winter, and then we got the growth the growth rings. But it says here, Ron White's demonstrating subsurface interface radar before the Turkish officials during the dedication ceremony for the visitor center at Noah's Ark in 1987. During this procedure, he spotted an object just under the surface. The soldiers dug it up. It was the deck timber. Okay, now, what's a deck timber? Well, <laughs> in a boat, you got to walk up on, okay? This would be called a deck timber. And of course, this is the video uh, that we're offering, and this is also the book. Matter of fact, I got, may as well take a second to show you the book. I'm, I just got these in. See, <laughs> I just opened them up. The box just got in. And I'm so excited about this because these are really high resolution, eight and a half by 11, full color photographs. I'll flip through here so you can see them. But 
they are the, the book is chock full of them. I, again, I, I've been there. Last night I've been there. We can verify almost every photograph in this book. We've been there. We've seen this. And uh, up in the warehouse in Topeka, someplace, we've got many of these photos that we actually took. We've actually, as a matter of fact, we've got a videotape that you can go to watchprophecyclub.com called, uh, let's see, what was it? Uh, Archaeology Confirms the Bible. And uh, you can hear my voice, and I'm going through 1991 and videotaping. I videotaped about hmm, probably 10, 12 hours, and I whittle that 10, 12 hours down to a two-hour videotape, and we have the available for you to go to Watch Prophecy Club right now and watch it and verify. But anyway, we're going to be offering this book and this DVD, and you want to have both of them. With this in your hand, a mom or dad that doesn't believe the Bible, brother, sister, a co-worker, a boss, someone like that, a neighbor, with this in your hand, if they will sit down, if they if they say, yeah, I really want to know the truth. If you can prove to me the Bible is true, then yes, I'll believe it. Here you go. With this, you can prove it. But let's, let's go on. So they found a deck temper, which was where it later tested the Galbraith Laboratories. The test results showed it had a high level of organic carbon compared to inorganic carbon, meaning it was once a living matter. In other words, once it was wood. Genesis 6.14 says, make an ark of gopher wood. Okay, what's gopher wood? Well, if you go to your wood store and you ask for gopher wood, they won't have any gopher wood. Matter of fact, there's not any gopher wood on the planet. So what, what is gopher wood? Gopher wood is actually plywood. It's reversed layers of wood. In other words, one layer this way, one layer this way, one layer this way. Okay, that's plywood or gopher wood. Now, what he dug up was this particular deck timber. So if you look at it, you see that there's four different layers right here. One, two, three, four different layers within this. Now, they sawed it off. And if you'll notice, there's no growth rings. What you're looking at, though, is solid pre-flood wood. And they had this all analyzed, and it basically confirmed what he thought it was pre-flood wood. In other words, gopher wood or plywood, what we would say today. Now, before we get to the next thing, I need to explain what a rivet is. A rivet is where you take, uh, let's see, how can I explain this? Okay, so let's say you have you have several of these deck timbers you want to attach together. What they would do is drill a hole through it, and then they put like a nail, try to imagine having a head out here, and then they run it through, and of course you've got a little part that's sticking out there. Well, they put it through there when it's hot and molten, and then they hammer over the end of it so it brads it over, and that makes it very tight. It also makes it so it's not going to come undone. Well, this is a picture of a rivet. Well, this is also a picture of a rivet. This is actually found and given to Ron Wyatt in 1991. I was there when a couple of guests, a couple of my friends, Frank and Debbie Barnes, we were walking all over Noah's Ark. I was there. They found this, they didn't know what it was, walked up and they said, uh, Ron, what is this? And immediately, I mean, this guy, Ron White, had the ability to see things that the average person just walked right by and not even see. And he looked down, he immediately knew that that was a rivet, meaning it's like this. So it's, you put it through and then you hammer it down, it squishes it out so it won't come back through. It's a very good way to uh, attach things together. Here's another one in this side of the arc here. Do you see it there? Now I'll move that, put it back. Okay, that's a rivet there. 
see the sitter is stuck through and it's melted. And then they, they anyway. Now, Galbraith Laboratories had actually, he analyzed this. And he said it was 8.38% iron, 8.35% aluminum, and 1.5% titanium. You'd be saying, wait a minute. They had advanced metals like that back again, Genesis 4.22. Tubal Cain was a skilled artificer in all forms of brass and iron. Yes, they had very advanced metals back then. They were good at metallurgy and making gold and silver and all kinds of gemstones and music, matter of fact, also. So anyway, the point is, it's not just some metal laying on the ground. This had to be man-made metal, and this was found in the rivets and uh, in several of the metals on, on board the Noah's Ark, meaning it is not just an accident. It's man-made. And here's another picture of another rivet. See that? Yeah, here, back up. See, you got to kind of look, and I know that... <laughs> get the book. Get the book. This, all these pictures are in the book. I took all of these pictures out of the book. Now, I didn't take this one. I pulled this off the Internet because these are anchor stones. What are anchor stones? Well, they... Noah uh, suspended them off of the back of the boat. How can I show you this? Okay, let's say... If you just put the boat in the water, it was like a washing machine, well, it would toss the animals around in there. They'd have broken legs and arms and who knows what else. So how do you get a boat like this to be shock absorbed in a washing machine? Okay. So what they would do is they held a bunch of these anchor stones off the end of the boat. That way, when the, 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 the way went up, the anchor stones would hold it down. When it went down, they would hold it down like that. So instead of doing this with the anchor stones, it it's stabilized the boat. Also, if the wind was blowing in this direction, it would then automatically orient the boat so that it's like this, uh, front to back, versus like this where it would tend to tip over. Okay, So like this, so they stabilize the boats. Uh, and they, and by the way, they still use them up to even modern times in some of the boats to to stabilize them. Well, that's what this is. And Leslie and I were there again. I've got a picture I actually took with my camera. I've got videotape of this. If you go to WatchProphecyClub.com, you can see videotape of me explaining this. Now, this is what they call a drogue anchor stone. They suspended it off of the back of the boat to stabilize the boat. And he's found I don't know, like twelve or fourteen of them. And it was kind of interesting because he said, I, I, I knew, I, I started finding where the ark, uh, where the, the Noah's ark was by these. He said, long story short, they would find one, they'd keep walking till they find another one. And as the boat started getting more shallow and more shallow and more shallow and more shallow until finally it came upon ground, they were dropping these off. So apparently they were on there at different levels. So as they got close, the longest one, they would cut the rope, let it drop. So he, it was like dropping breadcrumbs, okay? He could follow these drogue anchor stones right up to where he found Noah's Ark. Now, something fascinating about this one, and I actually climbed up. You can't see it from this side so good, but on the back side, there's a rock back there. And I climbed upon that rock, and I put my hands up in this, and I actually felt around. I checked it out. And what we believe that Noah did was 
how do I explain this? How do I explain this? Okay, so, well, I'll do it. Uh, okay, listen, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> blow my nose, okay. So, say this is the hole. You've got to put that rope through, and then once the rope comes through, then you tie it into a knot. Now, if, if it's straight hole like this, then it's going to chafe on the corners, you see. But if you carve it out in there in the shape of that knot, then you can pull the rope back through and that knot fits up there again. And then in the the waves and the wind and everything, it doesn't chafe and it doesn't break the rope. So it's very important that that rope stay in that anchor stone. Well, again, I've been up inside this thing and you can see like... <sighs> it's it's carved out in there. It's not just a straight drill hole. You and I would just make a straight drill hole. It's not. It's carved out in there in the shape of a knot. You can see it. It's not just a straight hole through. So they put the rope through, they tied a knot, and then they situate it back through just right so the knot would fit in that hole perfectly. Now, when we were there, I said, but Ron, I said, uh, but wouldn't it, I mean, because as you look, here, we back up, okay? As you look at this, this big drink, anchor stone is probably three to five foot down in the, in the ground. And you can stand next to that and someone's head only comes up to about right here. I've got some other pictures of them, people standing beside it. It's probably 10 to 12 foot tall from the top to the bottom. And I said, how come they have such a little bitty area here? I mean, wouldn't it tend to just snap off? And he said, well, it would if it was it was in just air. But you see, the, the rock has a certain buoyancy to it. And, of course, when they tied all of these to the ark, and then when it rained, it, it started lifting the ark up. So these were actually bouncing in the water. So they weren't being pulled on real hard. So it wouldn't break this top part right here. Now let's go on. But the point is, I thought that was very interesting that that it it fit perfectly like a knot. I mean, if you could only see it, it is so awesome. So what we're asking you to do today is to get this book and DVD. Now, hang on, hang on. I'm going to put a challenge out there. I've had several emails come to me lately, and people will be repenting. I've been watching you for for years, and I never sent a donation until right now. And, oh, I'm really sorry. I know I should have a long time ago. But anyway, here's my donation. So let me first speak to all of the people that have never supported this ministry. I'm going to ask you this time to consider supporting it. And it's not about money. I want to get you excited about proving that the Bible is true. I think you will be so amazed by this book. It's it's book and DVD. This book is just high. Well, here's the picture of what we were just talking about. High quality, full color photographs, eight and a half by 11. Big, I mean, really nice stuff. And when I saw this book, I said, oh, I got to have it. <laughs> I got to have it because I've been there. I mean, Leslie and I've been there. We, we know this stuff's true. We've been there. You know, we got our own photographs, a lot of this stuff. This, if we really are in the last days, and I think we both believe we are, then, see, God has put archaeological evidence into the earth to convince 
those people that will be convinced. Some people you never convince. And what this book and DVD are is some is 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 giving you the ability to put in your hands the ability to explain the validity and the truth of the Bible. Now, here's what we're asking, okay? So the book is $75, but you can buy your $3,000 airline ticket. You can go to Turkey. You can go to Israel. You can spend four or $5,000 looking for this stuff. You won't find it. You will not find it. I'm going to tell you right now. You will not find the things that are in this book because you won't have God guiding you and directing you. Some places you can't even get into today. So for $75 for that book, bargain, bargain. It's about winning souls. Now, this is a three-and-a-half-hour double DVD. Now, it's only one disc. It's not two discs. It's one disc. But it's a, a double layer. It's three-and-a-half hours. And this explains the things that are in the book. So you need both. Don't think about getting one or the other. Get both. So we're doing this. The DVD is 50 the book is 75 but you can get both of them for a $100 donation at prophecyclub.com. Now, I got the, the box behind me to show you. We just got them in. We just got them in at the, at, the, at the warehouse, and we are all ready to ship book and DVD. All you got to do is go to prophecyclub.com and place your order, and if you want to, you can even have them overnighted to you. But my challenge today is if you have never sent a donation to Prophecy Club, Consider making this your first step. Consider making this the first time you did. I believe that God will bless you with the book and the DVD, but I believe he'll also bless you with your support, too. As you recall, Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm just going to refresh your memory. Okay, so the story was the Pharaoh in Joseph's day. So he has two dreams. The first one, he sees seven fat cattle and then seven lean cattle. Then he sees seven good ears of corn and the seven bad ears of corn. And he sees that the seven bad ears eat up the good ears. He couldn't get anybody to interpret it. So finally, he finally turns to the man of God. Joseph, he said, can you explain? He says, yeah, the two dreams are one message. And the one message is saying, God has shown the Pharaoh what he's going to do. He's going to bring seven years of plenty, which will be followed by seven years of famine. Pharaoh says, what should I do? Now, listen to this word, wheat. He said, store up wheat. And so what they did in those days, and Ron White said he found the place where they stored these massive amounts of wheat. So they stored up during the seven years of plenty, 20%, not 10%, but 20% what came in, they brought it all in. They were commanded to bring it all in. During the seven years of famine, that wheat fed the world. That wheat, not rice, not beans, not freeze-dried food, <laughs> wheat. Wheat fed the world. And that is also what happened to bring the wealth of the world into Egypt. Why? Because the Jewish people were living there and God was blessing them. Genesis 41, 54, 54 goes on to tell more about it, but here's the point is. He says, The seven years of dearth began to come, according to Joseph had said, and the dearth was in all the land, but in the land of Egypt there was rice cakes. No. Freeze-dried food. No. What is it that God uses to take care of his people in the famine? 
Well, the biblical example is bread. Genesis 41, 55 goes on to say, When all the, Egypt, the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for wheat, wheat bread. So what do you suppose, in the seven years of famine in the last years, what do you suppose we should have to prepare for seven years of famine today? Perhaps the same thing, wheat. Let's go on. So here's what we've done. Now, I'm going to put up a video. It's about an hour long, and I'm going to explain this in detail, so I'm not going to go into it a whole lot here. But God has directed us to begin offering a way to where you can use wheat to feed you and your family, which is probably the cheapest and the best thing, in my opinion, out there, to have during a famine. So we've started a website, and I'm very excited to finally bring this to you. Hopefully it is all up and working come Monday when you watch this broadcast. But what you do to go to the website, and it's josephskitchen.com. josephskitchen.com. You go there, and the first page is going to look like this. So what you do, well, actually, it's not the first page, but you click on Shop, and then it'll pull up this page. Then you click on, right here, Machines Package, and it'll take you to a page that looks like this. First thing you have to do is get the machines, because wheat has two weaknesses. One is it's difficult to eat the wheat berries. That's what they call them, not wheat seeds, but the wheat berries. You have to grind them up from the berries into making wheat flour to make the bread. And mechanical devices, uh, maybe I'll talk about that later, but they, they don't cut it. You have to have some kind of electric mill to take it from the berries to the flour. So what we've done is put together a package. Here's the mill. This grinds. We're going to send you a mill uh, to grind it to flour. Then we'll send you a bread maker so that you put all the ingredients in here, push a button, two hours and 20 minutes later, you got a nice, hot, steaming loaf of bread, and it is good. We're also going to send you a bread slicer with a knife, so you can slice it up, a thermometer that you will use in the making of it, and also a set of beakers. I'm going to send you everything you need, plus instructions on how I have made over 50 loaves of bread. I had two slices this morning for breakfast and lunch. That's what I had. Matter of fact, that's the primary thing I'm eating anymore, so it's not just survival food. It's stand daily food. Okay, so First thing you need is a set of machines. Now, those will last for a long time, perhaps several years. We don't know how long, but anyway. First thing you need to get a machines package. Next thing is you need to get the wheat and all of the ingredients. So you're going to order, if you have a mom and dad in a home, you'll order people a f food for at least two people for one year. That's 937 or a figure about 1000 bucks. And they, we send you the wheat in the pails so that the mice and the, it doesn't go bad, and it should last 7 to 10 years. Send you all of the ingredients you need, and you just click on Add the Cart. And also, if you want to have food for four people, then it's a little bit more. If you want to have food for six people, it's a little bit more. Now, you compare that. Okay, so you got to have the, the mechanicals, which is about 800 and then you have to have the actual food. Two people one year is about $2,000, including shipping, that kind of a ballpark. Four people one year is about 3000 Six people one year is about 4000 But if you compare that to what it costs in other places, this is what you're going to find. You're going to find that most of them cost about $10,000 per year per person. This is about $1,000 a year per person. What? Yeah, 
about $1,000 a year per person. So at that, <laughs> what we're offering you is about 10 times less than what all of these other survival food places, all these people selling survival food, my opinion, they're not doing it right. They're offering things that are very, very expensive. You shouldn't have to pay $10,000 a year to feed one person. But in most cases, it is. However, with wheat, if you do it our way, and it's not only is better for you, as the video I'm going to post up here, if you'll go watch it, it'll explain to you, but it's also far cheaper. So what do you do? I'd recommend that you go to josephskitchen.com. I'll back up here. There you go, right there. josephskitchen.com. Take some time exploring through it. What you want to do, if you've got, um, say, a mom and a dad, or if you've got, if you've got three people, matter of fact, if you've got two people in there, you might even want to order the four people one year package. Just make sure you got plenty. But definitely, if you've got more than two people in your home, you definitely want to get the four people one year package. If you've got, say, mom and dad and two or three kids, uh, you definitely want to get the six year package. But here's the thing. For about $4,000 to $4,500, you can feed them all for a year. <laughs> Nothing else comes close. You can compare that. Most of the time, you'll spend $60,000 to feed six people for a year, not $4,000. Josephskitchen.com, best deal out there, I think. Now, maybe somebody who got a better deal. <laughs> uh, I haven't searched everything, but I doubt it. God used wheat in the days of Joseph to feed the world for seven years, and I think he's going to do it once again. So our prices are about $2,000 a year, two people, about $1,000 a year per person, okay? Yeah, give or take, about $1,000 a year. So you got six people to feed, yeah, less than $6,000. So Leslie Johnson, I'm a prophecy student. Why should I come to your Train the Prophets? The reason you want to come to train the prophets is because you want to do more work for God. You want to be trained and equipped. And this is a safe place to come. You'll be able to prophesy more accurately. You'll know how to lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. But you're going to also know how to hear the voice of the Lord and be more accurate and understand he is speaking. That's why you want to come to train the prophets. Go to traintheprophets.com. The good news is EMP Shield has devices the military testing facility says protect 100% against EMP, solar flares, lightning, power surges, backed by a 10-year warranty and a $25,000 insurance policy. View simple video installation instructions for home, vehicles, RV. You can have electricity in a blackout. Use the promo code PROPHECY for a $50 gift card and it helps your Prophecy Club. These days, emergency food is mostly sold out, but HeavensHarvest.com has all sorts of emergency supplies and food in stock. Their food comes in square stackable buckets, breakfast, entree, protein, fruits and vegetables. I recommend you have at least 12 months of food for each person in your family. Receive a free box of heirloom seeds when you enter the promo code STAN at HeavensHarvest.com. Promo code STAN. Terry Sock is a prophecy student, and he reads his King James Bible, and he believes in winning souls so much, he is supporting the Prophecy Club so that we can win more souls. So if you want to support someone that loves prophecy and wants to win souls, I'm going to send you to cornerstoneassetmetals.com, where you can get all sorts of precious metals, gold, silver, rhodium, palladium, and things like that. Cornerstoneassetmetals.com.
click like, share, subscribe, and send to a friend.